You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to The Western Rookie, a hunting podcast full of tips, tricks, and strategies from seasoned Western hunters. There are plenty of opportunities out there. We just need to learn how to take on the challenges. Hunting is completely different up there. I've harvested 26 big game animals. You can fool their eyes, but you can't fool their nose. The 300 yards back to the road turned into three miles back the other way. It's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal. I don't know what to expect. If there's anybody I want in the woods with me, it'll be you. Welcome back to another Western Rookie Podcast episode. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and I've got Tyler Jensen on the podcast tonight. So Tyler is an avid outdoorsman. I mean, I'm looking at some of the pictures you post, and it looks like you are an equal opportunity hunter any species that you get a tag for looks like any weapon. You're just spending as much time out in the mountains as possible. Is that right? That is that is correct. Yeah, if there's an opportunity to chase a species, whether I know how to do it or not, I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. So we were talking just a little bit in the green screen. You live in Montana. Are you were you born and raised in Montana? Nope. I uh, I grew up on the east coast. So I grew up in the northeast, and then um, I was I joined the army. And got stationed over in Washington, and then I do HVAC for a living, so I got all my certifications in Washington. And I was like, oh, I'll just buy a house here, make some good money, and then I lived about 45 minutes south of Seattle, and I uh, worked in Seattle every day. And where I grew up, compared to Seattle, it's just like polar opposites. I grew up in a small, like wooded area, like seven towns, one high school, less than a thousand kids, going to like got a neighborhood full of like 10,000 people, and. Uh, I did three years of that, and I was like, you know what? Like, excuse my French, but fuck this. Like, I got to get out of the city. Like, get away. Like, yeah, the money's good, but, like, it's just miserable being here. So uh, ever since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to move to Montana. And, you know, I saved up a good bunch of money, bought a house, sold it, and I was like, now's the time to do it. So at 20, 24, 25, I said, fuck it. We're going to Montana. And I sold everything I had and just I never even visited Montana. And bought a house, and the rest is history. Oh, wow. How long ago was that? Like, how long have you been in Montana now? So I moved in the winter, or yeah, I guess I moved October of 2018. Okay. And then, uh, so five years. And, yeah. Yeah, five years, I think. I'm coming up on six. 
Awesome. And so is a lot of the hunting that you're doing now, like I see antelope, mule deer, elk, bear, bison, which is super rad. Is a lot of it in your home state now? Like you're just staying in Montana and just using all of the opportunity Montana has, or do you still bounce around different states like Idaho, you know, Utah, Oregon? No, I actually, it's, I mean, I don't think I've posted anything. I think everything that I've had posted on the last five years has been Montana. Um, and like, yes, I'd love to go to like Wyoming or mm-hmm. Idaho or even like Utah, but I get like anxiety because you do get so many general tags in Montana. I'm like, fuck, I got so many tags to fill here and like so much time wrapped up around here that I don't have time to to drive down to Utah or even over to Idaho to chase them, you know, cause it's, it's unknown territory. So I don't really have the time to scout, uh, whether it's like I do here, we, you know, we do camping trips in the summer and we just kind of scout our areas and set up cameras and kind of get a feel for what's going on in that area. But, um, hopefully in the near future, I, I would love to go down to, actually, I'd really love to go up to Alaska, experience that once or twice, and then, you know, go to Wyoming, do an antelope hunt, something simple. Yeah, the Wyoming antelope can be a good one to get fired off early, um, especially if you're doing archery. I know Montana archery antelope opens up pretty early as well, but, like, that's probably less pressure to, like, miss a few days of Montana antelope for Wyoming antelope versus, like, miss your rut elk season to go chase elk somewhere else and go from probably, like, near 100% odds down to, like, 10% odds and then spend, you know, instead of $30 for your tag, you're talking $700. You know, like, nothing works out very well in that situation anymore. Yeah, it's – you hit it right on the head. Like, you look at – as a resident of Montana, you get so many tags in there. I mean, to be honest with you, they're very cheap for a resident. Like, if you move here, like, I think my elk tag is, like, 20 bucks like a general tag, you know, and you can always get an over the counter elk tag too for cows. And that's another 20 bucks. So to go to Idaho or Wyoming or Utah and put in for these draws and have to spend like, you know, the whole trip would be thousands of dollars. You're like, I think I'll just keep my happy ass in Montana and just (laughs) do my thing here. I hear you, man. I mean, it does suck when we go to Montana, that tag price bites. I mean, it's, I think it's like eight, 90 by the time we get everything that we need to to hunt elk in montana and you're like jesus that's a lot even if you shoot one you're still at five dollars a pound for meat (laughs) (laughs) but it's worth i mean it's it's the passion right so you do it but i get it i mean montana i think montana by far has the most resident hunting opportunity out of any state i mean just when you stack up the species the season dates, the tag costs, the amount of public land. I mean, there's a lot of states out there that ha- have great resident hunting, but, man, would it be hard. Maybe Alaska would be the one where you could argue is better than Montana, but then you got to put up with being an Alaska resident. So, Yeah, and, like, Alaska, too, you know, people don't – I think people fail to realize, like, when you go out of state – let's say you fly to Alaska, right? Like that's pretty much the only way, unless you really want to make the road trip to Alaska, going through Canada, all that bullshit. Let's say you kill something up there. Like you got to get it home somehow. So like, yeah, like tags cost a lot. The flight get up there costs a lot. Okay. So now you're coming back with like a, a moose or a caribou yeah. or like a bear. And you're like, dang, that's going to be another, I, don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe a couple, couple hundred, maybe $800 to just get your meat that you've got up there. So it's not always about the money, of course, because, 
the experience of hunting Alaska and, and getting a, a moose or caribou. Like obviously we don't have caribou down here, but it's just, you got to think about those things. You know, you, you do shoot yeah. one. Like if you are successful, next thing you know, you're like, holy shit, I got to spend this amount of money to get it back and then customs and whatever it may be. It's, I don't know. Part of me wants to do it. The other part of me is just like, ah, oh, just go out in my backyard a couple of miles down the road and there's a million acres of public land. I'll just go hunt that. Yeah. The, the moose thing would be probably the one because it's still like a once in a lifetime draw in Montana for moose. So if you, you know, depending on how long you want to wait, I mean, that could be the one reason why you would maybe go to like Canada or Alaska. But yeah, other than that, I mean, you got it. It's pretty much set in Montana. Um, and for the listeners, you're not only trying to fill however many tags you have in your household. You have like, it looks like double everything. Double the deer tags, yep. double the elk tags, double the bear tags, because your wife looks like she loves hunting just as much, or maybe even more than you. Yeah, I mean, she's born and raised in Montana, and I will say this, like, we kind of talked about it earlier, like, I don't see why a lot of people don't hunt with their significant others, but then I remember, like, before I met her, you know, you have a girlfriend or, or wherever it may be, and they're like, I want to go out hunting, and they're like, I want to try it, and you get, like, excited, you're like, yeah, this, like, this will be fun, you know? But it seems like a lot of relationships, like the, and I don't want to sound like sexist, but like the female perspective, it's like they don't understand the grind for mm. the most part. Where they're like, I think in my in my scenario or my experience, it's like they just want to go out and like have fun, but they don't understand like there's tactics to it. There's you got to be quiet. There's scent. Like, and it's not just oh let's go for a little hike in the woods. It's like oh you see that mountain over there we got to get up and over that. And that's where I believe the elk are going to be and they may not be there. And so to find somebody who is just passionate about it, if not more than I am, and then willing to just go into these hell holes, this poor girl that I, these fucking miserable hell holes I bring her into. And she's like, just happy as a clay. I'm just, yeah, let's go. Like it's, it is, I think it's rare. And it's like, I mean, I'm super excited and happy to have it. Yeah. I do feel like, the, to, to be fair to the female perspective, though, when we come back from an elk hunt, we're like, oh, it was awesome. We saw this many bulls, and this happened, and then, that, you know, my buddy did this, and, you know, then we shot one, and we had a bonfire at camp. You never tell, like, you only tell the highlight stories. You never tell the lowlight stories, I guess, would be the opposite of that. But, like, yeah, for three days we hiked our ass off and didn't see a damn thing. We were exhausted. I got wet feet. I ran out of food. It rained. I got super, like, we don't, like, go into detail. We might say, like, yeah, it rained the first day. But, yeah, then this other amazing story happened. And so the person on the other side of that, if they're not a hunter, they're just hearing, like, oh, you know, they saw the pictures. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, they saw the, they heard the stories, and they got so excited about it. They didn't realize you hiked your ass off and sweated through all your clothes to get up there before light to take that picture that you sent back home. And so I think there could be a huge mismatch of, like, how it gets explained versus what it's actually like and you bring that person out there that has no clue and they're like oh i thought you just kind of like drove to the top of the mountain <laughs> <laughs> no i agree and i think that's just like kind of how dudes like explain stuff like we're just we don't explain to them like you're saying like it was shitty for the first five days like it was one it was super hot didn't hear a single bugle uh or like i don't know like it, it was freezing cold we were miserable like it sucked but then you do kill one because it's miserable and it's cold and it's like 
nobody else is out there and like that's where they're gonna be is when it's miserable and cold and you're like oh my god we killed one and it was beautiful like whether it was a raghorn or whatever but like the whole point of being out there is because you're trying to kill one of these animals and when you do you're like oh like i would like even if it was the worst five days of your life if you kill one you're like oh i would 100% do it again like don't even care yeah i never think about it i mean i've shot some bulls before um one was a really easy pack out well, I guess both of them are pretty easy. But one was like I was hunting solo in the Alpine at like 12,000 feet, and I shot him at last light. And I didn't even think about, like, the fact that I'm going to be quartering this elk and, like, shuttling it down to the road until 2 a.m., right? Oh, yeah. Which, but if you, like, think about that ahead, it's like, if that's how you explained it, like, yeah, you're going to be by yourself. It's going to be cold. You're going to hear a lot of weird noises in the woods, and you're going to be quartering this until 2 a.m. in the dark. You're like, yeah, I don't know if that's my thing. Uh, I'll stay at camp. No, I agree. Like, there's a yeah. Like, I think there's like um, like a like a psychotic portion to like Western hunting in a way because like you do put yourself in a lot of situations where, like you said, you two in the morning, you just finished hunting. It's not that you just showed up at you know eight o'clock at night, shot a bull, and you're like, okay, that's the day. Like now we get the work. It's like you started the day at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you hiked off all day, shot it last night, and then by yourself you know scun up and bagged this uh whatever an elk like 800 pound elk yeah and now you're like oh sick i gotta put this on my back and then get down to the road in the pitch dark where there are wolves and cats and bears you're like yeah i think we're all a little fucking crazy at the end of the day you're like if you tell anybody that who's from the city they're like why the fuck would you do that you're like i don't know because it sounds fun like it just it makes sense to me yeah you'd be like oh it was a blast and they're like what yeah yeah like hunting grizzly country, like you, I don't know. It's kind of exhilarating. You know, every day you can be your last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, God, I just, I try not to hunt as much grizzly country, you know. But in Montana, especially this year, there have been a ton of reports. Like yeah. they're in, you know, drainages in Missoula, which is like not unheard of, but like not as common. And then even in the Bitterroot, like when I first moved here, people were like, "Oh, there's no grizzlies in the Bitterroot." First year I was here, I ran into one. I was like, "That's not a black bear." That's fuck that thing yeah that guy's big yeah it can it can definitely depend on how because you want to be careful it's not like you want to go too like realistic and like pessimistic about explaining what it's like you don't you don't want to go too far you don't want to like romanticize it too much and give like your significant other an unrealistic expectation of like how fun and nice it is like it's not type one fun antelope hunting's type one fun elk hunting's not yeah. you know you gotta you gotta be able to draw the line but you also don't want to be like yeah elk hunting is brutal it sucks every day sucks unless you shoot one and then it really sucks because then you know then they're gonna be like well if it's like that i don't want to go at all so you right. gotta like yeah you're right you gotta be careful if you really want to hunt with your wife this episode is brought to you by steelhead outdoors Now, everyone knows that Steelhead Outdoor Safes are the only American-made, fire-insulated, modular safes on the market. But you might not know that Steelhead Outdoors also carries a full line of handgun lockers, pistol boxes, and even custom vault doors. So whether you're looking for a locker to store your concealed carry when you walk in the front door, or a pistol box to mount underneath your nightstand, or even if you're looking to secure an entire doorway in your home and create a safe room, Steelhead Outdoors has a solution for you. You can tell the guys over at Steelhead are gun owners because they have the gun owner in mind when they design their products. Their handgun lockers are just the right size to store modern-day handguns 
with lasers, optics, double stack magazines, and even a backup gun. While their pistol boxes are the perfect size to mount underneath your bed, your nightstand, or even in your vehicle. And when it comes to a custom vault door, they have designed a panic lock and emergency release so you can easily lock and unlock your vault door completely from the inside, meaning you are always safe but never trapped inside. Go to SteelheadOutdoors.com to check out all of their security options and pick the right one for you. One day. But it, I would, I'm going to go out on a limb and say your, your wife probably hunted before she met you. Mm-hmm. she grew up hunting like yeah. her dad was a huge advocate in hunting like obviously like born and raised in montana it's pretty rare that you meet somebody who's like from montana who's never uh hunted like they've at least done it once and with yeah. her her dad uh really like instilled it in her and like brought her around even like took the time you know when they're younger to like bring her out in the mountains like she was hunting elk with her dad when she was little little and so just like that exposure at a young age. And I'm sure they got successful sometimes and didn't, but just like having that fun time with like one, your dad and two, like out in the woods, sharing a passion. I think it, you know, for like all of us, it just gets you hooked. And so she's been hunting, I mean, way before she met me. And then, you know, we hunted together one time or, you know, we got together, we started hunting and you always have that, like, Oh, am I going to have to, I've talked about this on other podcasts too. Like, am I going to have to baby? Am I going to have to like step my, you know, cause like I'm a grown man. I can go through the woods quicker. I'm stronger, faster, whatever it may be. Am I going to have to like dull down kind of how I hunt with her? But it has been like, no, like no, don't even skip a beat. Like she's right there next to me. I don't have to like slow down her tactics and my tactics are pretty similar. So I'm like, okay, there's a bull. Like we should do this. We play the, like she knows so much about the woods that mm-hmm. I don't have to like explain it, which is super nice. I mean, I'm spoiled in a way that like, I don't have to be like, Oh, we have to go this way because of the wind or I don't know. It just makes it a hell of a lot easier. And, and, and it just, it's super enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I think something a lot of people you hear to, you know, what's interesting. You hear two different responses. Some guys will be like, Oh, I would, you know, I would love to have a wife like yours or, you know, whoever, if, especially if they're speaking to you, they might be like, oh, I'd love to have a wife that hunts as much as yours does or loves hunting as much as, you know, do it. And then you get the other guy that's like, oh, no, I do not want to hunt with my wife. Like, that's my time. And I'm like, well, then why do you marry her if you don't want to spend time? Like, if you want to get away for a week at a time, like, I don't feel like you might have married the wrong person. Dude, I agree with that because, like, hunting has been a huge part of my life, like hunting the East coast. Like I grew up in New Hampshire, obviously. So like I hunted my whole life ever since I was a little kid. And then like to, to be with somebody that doesn't even want to like, I don't know. It, it doesn't make you feel good if she's like, no, I don't want to go. Or like, I don't I just can't imagine being with somebody and being like, Oh, I don't want her to go. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like every time I get offered to go to like a buddy texted me the other day and he's like, Hey, you want to come on this like snow goose hunt in South Dakota? And I was like, yeah. So I texted her. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go to like, I just got offered to go on this snow goose hunt. And like her, she like, the first thing she said was just like, can I come? And I was like, <laughs> well, fuck yeah. Like, but you know, it's just, it's, it makes it easier. Cause anytime we talk about going somewhere hunting, if she, if like, if it's a us thing, there's no like, Hey babe, I was hoping I can get off this weekend and not do like fall festival stuff and go hunting. She's like, what are we doing this weekend? 
and I yeah. was going hunting. She's like, good. Like I haven't planned anything. Like she, she knows. So it's, I guess it takes a fight out of like, I don't know. You see that in most relationships on social media and their jokes. Like, can I go out this weekend? And the wife's like, no, we got apple picking or some bullshit. Like for me, I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. It sounds like you follow the nomadic outdoorsman. He's a good buddy of mine and used to lead this podcast, but he, <laughs> him and his wife post a lot of content like that because it's clickbaity. When he asks his wife yep. for permission to hunt, then you get all the people coming. If you need permission, you know, like if you need to ask your wife for permission to hunt, you should probably like wear the start oh, wearing God. the pants or whatever, wear the pants in your relationship. Or you, I mean, you've heard it all, but you're right. I mean, if you yeah, both love like, the exact same thing, then it's very easy to get on the same page with what you want to do on your free time. Yeah, it's it's it is super nice, and like I don't know, it's just. Like, uh, I'm just spoiled in a way. I know I've said that before, but it's, it's so much fun just because, like, I know the weekends are filled with what I love to do with the person I love the most and what she loves to do the most. So it's just, it's a win-win in all categories, and I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. So I've noticed you had a picture on your Instagram with a small child, and your wife's Instagram has a picture with an announcement. So as I assume that means the small child was yours. So we are now pregnant. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Well, I, yeah. So I, I don't have any kids. I not just yet. have dogs, <laughs> but not yet. But we, uh, yeah, we're, we're pregnant. I tell everybody that I'm pregnant. I'm like, I'm pregnant. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, come April, 2024, we will be introducing a baby girl to the family and we are, terrified and excited and scared and we it's our first kid so um like you're always i mean i obviously I don't have kids i don't know what to expect but um <laughs> there's a part of it where i'm excited to like have a, a daughter and kind of raise her the way that i was raised for the outdoors and like her as well you know my fiance and just be like hey this is my time to teach you like this is what we do and i'm excited for that portion of just like teaching a little girl that's mine to love and respect the outdoors well that's super exciting it's changing my question a little bit because i i didn't check dates i just saw that the pin was posted so or the post was pinned and so i just figured it was a little older and i thought the baby was yours it looks maybe it was family member or something um but i was gonna ask has that how has that changed because you know it's obviously gonna change a little bit i mean both you you have like an infant i'm assuming you're not gonna both be able to hunt the same time so that's yeah so we've we've it's so funny because like when we found out you know you do the math in your head you're like okay nine months it should put us around april all right late april turkey and spring bear have already started like that's like what goes through my mind as a dude you know i'm not I'm like yes i'm excited i'm having a kid but also it's like all right you're just well, starting to think through what plans are gonna look like and yeah yep yeah i'm 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 uh it's it's funny because I'll be like, so you're not going to really need me around the house come like May because like I'm pretty much useless when it comes to the child because she wants nothing to do with me. And she just gives me like the death stare like, how dare you? Like, <laughs> you will be here to support me, but I'm sure, you know, she'll. I think it'll be more like I'll probably want to stay around the house more especially yeah. if I have a kid just because like, you know, it's a, it's a child and I'm excited. Um but like maybe I'll just annoy her enough to where she's like, go bear hunting or something. Like get away from me. And I'm like, sick, I'm out of here. 
I don't know if I would bank on that plan, but you do you, man. You do you, Tyler. It'd be whatever you uh, whatever you find out. Let me know how it works. But um, but well, in a real sense, like how much of your you know average hunting is since you live so close to like endless opportunity. How much of it is like true day hunting, or versus like maybe elk camp is where you go and set up like a wall tent for a week. You know, is there opportunity yeah. where you can just get out for like a day and like hey. You know, maybe an in-laws in town and, you know, they're going to be by the house so you can go out for an afternoon or a day hunting and be home. Yeah, I mean, I live I live in the Bitterroot Valley. So, like, less, I would say two miles from me is, like, a BMA that um, that holds elk on it. You know, they kind of pass through. Yeah. Um, so, like, it would, it, it's, like, it's not going to be, like, a weird thing where I'm, like, hey, I'm just going to go sit real quick with my bow, a uh, couple of whitetail spots. Or I'm going to go bring the rifle up real quick to the top of the mountain, just see what I can see. Uh, and even with her, like there's spots where we could just like drive and I can glass too. And I was, and if it like worse comes to worse, I'm like, Hey, you should go shoot that elk or you should go shoot that deer. Like I'll watch the kid. And then um, if we kill it or whatever, like we'll have a backpack for the kid, we'll bundle it up. And then like somebody will just carry the kid around and the other person will just pack the meat out. Like we've already talked about, like day hunts and like what'll happen yeah and we have like there's a lot of people that i see on social media that like have their little ones out there like antelope hunting and like doing you know cool stuff and so i don't think it's it's obviously going to change with like the freedoms that we have now but i think that there's just going to be different um different ways around it where it's just like yeah we're all we're going to go out we may not be able to go out like a 10-day elk hunt um but there'll be there'll be plenty of opportunities to to notch tags and, and have fun as a family. Yeah, well, I've got some close personal friends that they just they just had their second child, but when they had their first child, I mean, they were kind of the same way, more in the in the east whitetail hunting, but like hunting every day in the fall and and just always in the woods and they hunted right up through like the entire pregnancy. And then that first I think their first baby was like an early spring baby, like a March April. And that fall, they were, like, hunting with the baby, especially earlier season. Later in the season, they had, like, grandma and grandpa watch. But, I mean, they still hunted a lot. I'm sure it felt like a huge impact for them for their first child. Obviously, things did change, but it happens. And and I had Sean Curtis from Wyoming. I don't know if you follow Sean. But he makes it a point to bring his entire family out with him for opening archery elk. And he's like, I know we're going to blow almost, like, we got three kids and my wife. Like, we're, this is not going <laughs> to, we're not doing spot and stock here. But I'm pretty sure he said that he shot a bull with his, like, one of his youngest daughters in, like, a backpack, you know, child carrier and shot a bull with her, like, on his back. So, pretty cool. I mean, it really is pretty cool. But he just said, I love the tradition of bringing my entire family out for archery elk. And, you know, my kids are starting to get old enough where they can blow a bugle tube. And like, it's just fun. I like it, even though we hardly ever shoot anything because there's five of us. But he said that that's just like what he looks forward to the most now. Yeah, I think it like, again, I just think it's, you know, you have a kid and there are going to be things that change. But like for me, like there were things that changed when I used to hunt by myself compared to when I met my now fiance, like I would be the most minimal dude. Like when it comes to like elk hunting for 10 days by myself, I would pack like some peak refuel meals. And then like, Oh, I, at night I just have like a turkey sandwich and I buy a bunch of turkey meat. And like, sometimes I would just eat turkey and mustard. Like 
but now that she's around it's like oh she's already planned out like all the meals that we need like has made like breakfast burrito like she's on top of it so it's like a different thing like there's more stuff that we need now that we're hunting together because she's like no we're not just going to sleep on fucking sleeping bags on the ground and i'm like why we're going to be fine she's like no you're an idiot we're gonna <laughs> you know we're gonna buy a camper we're gonna do this do that i'm like oh okay that sounds better and so i think with a kid same thing like you know if if you don't like killing an animal is what obviously you're out there for but to have those stories like when you get older like i remember when i was hunting with dad you know you, hopefully you have grandkids and like yeah dad took me out when i was four years old and i watched him call in a bull and like i think those are just memories that like yeah you may not have killed it but they'll just be like heritage stories about how cool it was when you were little and dad was shot a whitetail or called in a bull or put a stock on a bear i just think <laughs> everything's just going to be different yeah yeah there's some truth in that um for sure and it'll get i mean it'll change i mean imagine like 15 years from now you're gonna be bringing your 14 year old potential i mean hopefully she likes hunting but like that's gonna be a completely different thing i mean that's gonna be like as much as you love hunting with your fiance now i mean imagine hunting with your fiance and your daughter or your obviously your wife 14 years from now and your daughter, you know, it's just going to be like, you know, even more special (laughs) to, to share, you know, the same passion with just more people that you love. And so I think it's, you know, it's kind of a short term window of, yeah, this is going to impact our life for like really impacted for five years and then mildly impacted for the next 10. But after that, once, you know, your daughter gets a driver's license, like, so now you're not like, having to do the sports things or, you know what I mean? She's starting to get more independent. Now she wants to come with, she can, you know, pack out, maybe she's not packing out a, a you know, a 370 bull rear quarter, but maybe she's doing like a backstrap and a tenderloin or a front shoulder. Like, you know what I mean? Like eventually you're going to get to the point where it's the opposite of a burden. It's actually like helping you enjoy it more. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Like I've always enjoyed like watching my fiance kill stuff. Like, I don't know what it is. Like when, whether it's her or like a buddy that like I had the hunt lift eat guys come out last year for uh, a deer hunt and I got to watch like uh, a couple of them like shoot deer and like you know they paid all this money to come out to Montana and they worked really hard to like one get out here and then two like hunt and when you see guys like that get successful you're just pumped like and I didn't even fire around that weekend and I was just like in the mountains with them like just stupid happy and like when they when you i don't know i just get super excited when like the homies kill shit and like it's just it's just a good time for everyone and so i think that's what's going to happen with like my daughter hopefully i can't imagine she won't like hunting but um you know to watch her shoot her first deer or elk and then just like i'm sure i'll cry like a little bitch i don't know <laughs> like, i'll just be i'll just be excited like i just i just watch i love watching people be successful in the woods uh, because it's like a passion of ours. Yeah. So like, I understand the feeling of shooting your first deer. I understand the feeling of shooting your first bull. Like, If you're looking forward to another fall of hunting big bucks, but you're tired of freezing your tail off or getting busted by does, head over to maverickhunting.com and check out their Maverick and Booner blinds. Both series are incredibly easy to set up and get out in the woods. I set up two of the six panel blinds in the same week. And whether your favorite spot is on a field edge or way back in the sanctuary, you can have a hard-sided blind in your favorite spot this season. Keep the elements out and your scent in with a Maverick hunting blind. 
The best part is Maverick blinds ship out of their factory in just one or two days, which means you still have plenty of time to get a comfortable blind set up before the cold weather arrives and those big bucks are cruising through your spots. Go to maverickhunting.com and use the code WESTERNROOKIE, that's one word, to save 10%. That's right, 10% on your Maverick hunting blinds. It's like the highest of highs. Like you can't, it's the greatest thing ever. And then to be like, oh, my daughter did it. Like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, my brother's got kids now that are, that he, he's quite a bit older than me, but he's got some kids now that are, that age like his daughter's in college obviously you know pretty much fully independent um his sons are just getting their learner's permits about to get their driver's license and so and they're just hunting fools i mean they will like ask to go scout ducks before school and um and so he's kind of said the same thing like he's he he would way rather watch his kids shoot animals than him and i was the same way i mean i watched my wife now when we were dating I brought her in a tree stand, decked her out in all of my spare camo. Mine, <laughs> like you, like she's five four and I'm six two, so she's like rolling up sleeves and rolling up pant legs and looks like the Michelin Man with all this huge clothing. But she shot her first deer, opening day of the first season. I brought her out for gun season, dropped it in its tracks, free hand. So she's left handed, and we're in shotgun zone, so we shoot like rifled slugs or rifled barrel slug yep. guns. But my shotgun's a fully automatic, not fully automatic, semi-automatic. But so the gap, I mean, it's, you know, a right-handed automatic shotgun, so they eject out the side. Well, she's left-handed, so it's, like, right in front of her face. They're injecting, like, in front of her eyes, and she's shooting freehand with this shotgun that's too big for her and just drops it right in her tracks. And a uh, nice little buck. And so I was, like, more excited. I feel like I was more excited for her than she was. <laughs> I was in the, yeah. I hung a second tree stand. So I'm like kind of over her shoulder in my own tree stand. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, it's like, it is the greatest feeling, especially like to have somebody like your girlfriend or fiance, like kill shit. Especially yeah. if, like in your instance, like, I don't know, like your wife didn't grow up hunting or, or like didn't do it when she was younger. Um, So her dad is a hunter for sure. Mm-hmm. Like a lifelong hunter, just hunted in a different way, more like hunted traditional like deer camp for gun season and then maybe would go to his buddy's place to hunt a few times here and there um but so like when i grew up my parents in my family i guess in general just very blessed i grew up with like 650 acres of like private land in minnesota to hunt between what we owned and what like our next extended family owned but it was all like exclusive access and so we were like every weekend like yeah saturday sunday all day long we're pheasant hunting deer hunting um, just like, that's what, that, like, that's was our life versus like just someone that does it when they can. And so she hunted mm-hmm. a little bit with her dad. Um, they did a little bit of bow hunting. she had a bow already, but she had never shot anything. Um, public land, like where they live just is not a great, I mean, it's not the public land you're thinking of in the Bitterroot Valley. I'll tell you that much for free. So <laughs> yeah. it was kind of just challenging. And then she dropped it to go to pharmacy school, um, for a long time until she met me we I you know I just drug her along she probably just wanted to hang out and go on dates and I'm like well we can go on a blind date and she <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was a date in the blind um watched me I think she watched me kill a doe with a bow um and then that same season she shot her first buck with a gun and then slowly just I think being a part of me and like how much a part of my life hunting is got her more and more into it 
and to the point where like she yeah. shot her bow this year and she's like, man, this thing is like old. And I'm like, Hey, since you shot that, let's just like go to the archery store and you can just shoot a new one and just see what you like. But I kind of knew what would happen as soon as she shoots like a brand new Hoyt. And so sure enough, we walked out with a brand new bow and I was super excited. I was more excited for her, for her new bow than if I would have got a new bow. And so she's been shooting right. that and she wanted to shoot the, we just bought a 40 acre farm here. And so we Hell live yeah. on it now. And so she's been wanting to shoot the first deer all summer long. She's telling me like, I'm going to shoot the first deer. I'm going <laughs> to shoot the first deer. And she wanted to shoot it with her brand new bow, um, which didn't happen, but she did shoot the first deer on the new farm. So, um, that's awesome. she's got the, that win in the ball cap. So yeah, she's getting more and more into it. Now she wants to do the Western hunting thing. Now cause she loves hiking and she used to like backpack, like truly backpack camp and hike before she met me. So I think, it would be kind of an interesting like mix between that and hunting to like do a couple of backpack hunts, like maybe a backpack deer hunt. Um, you know, one really backpack hunts antelope. So, (laughs) (laughs) and I don't think backpack elk hunting is the greatest launch into Western hunting. I think there's better stepping stones to go through first. (laughs) I think so. I think like the biggest misconception and I was guilty of this too, like people coming from the East coast, and they go to these like big western states and they're like oh yeah like i've never western hunted before but like i'm gonna do a 10-day backpack like bivy hunt yeah and you just they never make it 10 days and like it's tough man like there are things coming from like an east coast state where you're like oh shit i don't have this or like this would have been nice and so you know you're fucking five six miles in bivied up and you're like fuck this like it sucks sometimes it sucks and it's just tough you're like oh this is not fun yeah weather and season can play a big role um you know we backpacked well i i talk about that all the time like that exact topic so and i'm really curious to hear what you think so i'll commonly i'm not by any means like a jake clark you know world's best elk guide but i've done it every year for you know, since I got out of college, I've done some other hunts. I post on Instagram. Now I obviously do the podcast. Like, so people know that I do it. And sometimes just like the fact that I do it is enough for them to ask me advice because maybe they've never done it. Right. So it's like, okay, you don't, I'm not looking for the best Western hunters advice. I just know you did it. I want to get it. So I'll get questions and I'll get someone that comes up and be like, Hey, I'm doing, it'll be funny. It'll be like, Hey, do you prefer like a jet boil or an MSR? And I'm like, well, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm doing a 14 day backpack hunt. I'm like, 14 day. Have you ever like gone hunted? No, that's my first elk hunt. Me and my dad. And I'm like, well, you're asking a very deep, like, I feel like we've glossed over a bunch of things to get to what's better an MSR or a jet boil, by the way, either one probably be fine. But I'm, I'm just like, I'm torn between like being realistic with them and trying to like help level set their expectations or just like not coming off as an asshole and be like, yeah, good luck. I'd get the jet boil. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I think if somebody came to me and was like, Hey, I'm doing this 14 day hunt. And again, you're like, well, have you done this before? And they're like, no, it's my first hunt. I was just like, I think you're not to be disrespectful, but I think you're biting off more than you can chew. Like, have you ever even camped in your backyard or in the woods for 14 days, not hunting, not hiking yeah. around, just camp for 14 days. Like, even that's miserable. Like you, you fail to realize like all the amenities that you don't have. Yeah. So it's like, you're going to stink. You're going to be gross. You're going to be like, you're not packing in filet mignons or chicken breasts or whatever. Like you're eating dehydrated food, which I think they're good. But after 14 days of it, you're like, 
fuck these things, dude. Get me something that's actually worth it. So yeah. I think the the biggest mistake when it comes from like guys who've never Western hunted is that they plan these massive hunts that they've never done. Yeah. And they bite off more than they can chew. And then next thing you know, they're like, oh, we packed out day three and hunted somewhere else from the road. Which is fine. Yeah, I would. I would but, actually prefer that they start that way. And you, so I'm like very opinionated about the topic in general. Like talking to you or just say, like I will say, like I think anyone that wants to go from zero to a 14 day is gonna fail. You know, unless you shoot your outcome like the first three days, you're not. <laughs> and and but when someone comes up to me and asks me, I'll be like, well, if you want to know, like I've done a couple things, I can tell tell you about like my experiences. I never say like you're not going to do this because the people just, you know, the walls shoot up. But I've, you yeah. know, I'll tell them like, "Hey, I did a solo, that solo alpine hunt in Colorado. It wasn't even a backpack hunt. Like I was ground I was base camping and then a storm rolled in. I'm by myself. I had to break down camp. Now I'm sleeping in the back of my truck cuz we had, you know, a foot of snow. Um, you know, even just like not talking to people, like shitty cell phone reception, so you're bored, you can't text your girlfriend, you can't text your dad. You know, yeah, you can go down to Subway and get a sandwich, but that's not really, like, if you're a social person, like, if you're an extrovert like I am, like, that is not, you know, after, like, five days of basically not talking to anybody, like, the mental challenge is there. You quit eating. All of a sudden, now you're cramping up. I'm like, it's tough. Like, I I decided I don't think I have what it takes to be a solo out-of-state elk hunter. Like, it just wasn't that much fun. And I shot a 6 by 7 Like, I shot a big bull. And it's just like, I don't know if I want to do that again. Like, I don't know if it's worth it to me to do all of that by yourself. At least not right now. Well, again, yeah. I mean, it's just like people have these expectations of like how it's going to go. And they don't think of like the worst case scenarios. And like, honestly, worst case scenario would be if you fucking killed one. Because now you got it like skinning a bull by yourself in the middle of nowhere is hard. Like, I, did I did mine it. last year. And it sucked. And I was like, you know, I shot my bullet at like 10 o'clock in the morning. And by the time help came up, like they drove two and a half hours and then they hiked like an hour up. By the time they got there, like I had just gotten done and it was probably, I don't know, eight, like probably close to five o'clock in the afternoon. So it's like, and I was like a quarter mile from a gated road. So it was like, thank thank fucking god like i killed this bull and now we can pack it out to the road and just like walk this gated road down with snow but if you're up twelve thousand feet and you kill one and you're like oh shit base camp is like four thousand feet lower like that is not going to be a good time no i was super lucky too i only had to pack them out a few hundred yards and then i could get to a a old gold mining road that was still good yeah. enough to get my truck up but it's not the kind of road I would take unless I had to pack an elk out. Like, it was a great four-wheeler <laughs> yeah. road. It was not a great pickup road. But it worked. Yeah. I got my elk to that. But, yeah, I mean, I shot him last light. I think it was, like, 7 p.m. in that unit. Um, you know, he I watched him drop, so that obviously huge help there without having to, like, track him and not knowing, like, do I wait an hour? Like, what's the deal? Is that what right. just backed up everything? But, yeah, it took me from 7 to 11 to quarter that bull – I saved the hide for a shoulder mount, like all the, like it took four hours. Like I've quartered a lot of yeah. elk, probably not as many as you. Cause you're obviously you live in God's country, but it's easy when you have someone to hold the leg and Hey, put some pressure on this. I'm going to pop this joint, you know, 
it's not easy when you're trying to like put it on your shoulder and stand up and, you know, cut and not cut your hand and do all like, like you said, it's yeah. Worst case. Well, that's not truly worst case scenario, but like best case scenario is more on comfort. Worst case scenario is you don't find out it's snowing ahead of time and break down your camp and now you're stranded up there and your truck battery dies and like, you're screwed like that. That's yeah. Yeah. And that's, I like, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of people that fantasize about West Co- like Western hunting and you, like they should, it's fun. Like it is a ton of fun and it's a new experience. And even if you kill anything or not, like some of the views that you see from the tops of the mountains, you're like, yeah, it's not like hiking trails. You know, you're like, you're beaten through the woods and you get up on this outlook and you're like, Holy shit. Like how pretty it is up here. And like, yeah, how, I wonder how many people have stood right here. You know, it's like, that's what's always in my mind. Like I've always wondered how many people have stood on like, cause I've, I've been in some really deep shitholes, like way out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like standing on this peak and I'm like, I wonder how many people have actually hiked up here. Like, mm-hmm. I, like, is it, is it a thousand? Is it four, you know, but I think people need to kind of police themselves, I guess. And just be like, Hey, what are my abilities when it comes to being in the woods for that long? And do I know them? And like, if worst case scenario happens, do I know how to survive? Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're up on the mountains and it's fucking a blizzard rolls through, like, do you know how to make a quick shelter and a quick fire? And so that way you can like wait out the storm. And then do you know how to like boil water? I mean, I don't know. I just think a lot of people have like, I'm sure it happens every year. People get out there and they get hurt and they're fucked. Yeah. Either die or pay a million dollars for helicopter retrieval. Like, who knows? Unfortunately, there was a guy in our elk camp this year or not in our elk camp, but like we drove by and the signs were still up of like, Hey, missing person. It was a guy that was uh, scouting elk and 79 years old. He texted his wife like, Hey, I'm going to be home in a half hour. Like I'm a half hour. He said, I'm a half hour from the truck or the road. I can't remember which one. And then I'll be home. Never saw him again. I mean, it was like going on like two, three weeks when we got there and the signs were still up. Like they still haven't found this guy. And it was like a highly populated area, unfortunately for us. I mean, there was, it's not like he was in the boonies. Like he was, there's a ski. He was on the same mountain as a ski resort. Like the missing signs are through the out the ski resort, and they yeah. still can't find them. I mean, it, it's just very like shit happens. Like there's a there's a reason the saying is like things are about to get western. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens, and like a lot of people don't. I I always carry like an in reach with me. Yeah. Uh, I make sure it's fully charged before I go, um, and so like. You know, if I were to fucking fall and snap my femur, like I can hit the SOS button and. Well, you'd yeah, you'd almost have to because you're gonna bleed out before you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I I would say people need to be cautious when they bite off more than they can chew. When it comes to like, oh, I'm gonna do a fucking twelve day. Yeah. You know, hunt or fourteen day hunt out in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, okay, but just be careful. Like, you've never done it before, so yeah. like maybe do three four days come back to the truck, kind of reassess, you do another three, four days, like break it up a little bit, but yeah, more power to them. The United States of America, have at it, do whatever you want. Like, good luck. Yeah. I have like a hierarchy that I'm, I would push. Like if, if someone asked me like, Hey, give me your like unbiased opinion. Like just give it to me. Don't filter it. You know, instead of like saying, Oh, you shouldn't do you because we kind of railed on that for a little bit, but Instead, I would say, hey, if you just want to get out, you just want to start hunting the West, you think this is something you're going to want to do the rest of your life, go on an antelope hunt first. Go on a rifle antelope hunt. 
Go find yeah. a tag in Wyoming with public land. I mean, I, you know, I use Go Hunt. I, a lot of people use it. You might not need it if you're an in-state. You just hunt in Montana. But, like, go get Go Hunt. Go sign up. Go pick a unit that you can draw. You might need a year of points, whatever. Go on a rifle antelope hunt. Find a buddy that you like that you've kind of, you know, maybe butted heads with. Like, someone you know you can get along with if, if shit does hit the fan. And go on an antelope hunt and try that. And see what you think. It's, I mean, that's as fun as it gets. Like, it's as easy and as fun as it gets. And if you like that, then go on a mule deer hunt. Go on a rifle mule deer hunt. Or maybe a West River whitetail hunt. Or an archery mule deer hunt. Early season, usually pretty good weather, dry. You know, lots of deer, lots of encounters. You're probably not going to shoot anything unless you know how to spot and stock. But you're going to have fun. You know, do that a year or two. Maybe do antelope and a mule deer. And then, like, I don't know, year three, four, go on an archery elk hunt. Still nice weather, you know, get some, you know, you got this buddy you've been hunting with a while, like things are working. Now you go on like an archery elk hunt, you kind of learn, maybe you spike out a day or two, right? And and you uh, build some more experience. Hopefully you're successful. You feel what it's like to pack a bowl three miles out of the shit, you know? And then like maybe then you start doing like some of these bigger hunts. For me, for some reason, I think archery elk is easier than rifle elk. Because, man, the weather just sucks for rifle elk usually. And that's what makes oh. it good. But, I mean, like, I've never gone on a rifle hunt where it didn't snow in the West. I've gone on some archery hunts where we've gotten two feet of snow in early September. Like, for yeah. some reason, it's just like archery hunting, to me, isn't quite as extreme as rifle hunting. Well, Maybe I I'm think wrong. it's like, well, I can I can see where you're coming from. Like, for archery elk hunting is... Well, yeah, archery elk hunting too for like a resident. Like one, like I wasn't successful this year in archery elk. Like the the spot that we hunted is not like a secret spot. It's not this like honey hole that we found that's ten miles back. Like we ran into more out of state guys, even local guys. Like there were just people everywhere, and so we called in probably a handful of different hunters from out of state. Like, oh yeah, I'm from Michigan, I'm from Minnesota, I'm from whatever. It's like okay, but with archery elk, it's like okay, you go in here and you bugle. Oh, there's one over there. So you're like, I know there's mm-hmm. maybe one elk, maybe a herd of elk, but they're over there. So we know we can work that area and maybe get into them. With rifle elk, it's like, well, I'm going to climb to the top of this mountain because there's a lookout spot and it's going to take me about two hours because I'm trudging through the snow. And I hope that the elk are here. And so you get up there and you're like, yep, the elk are here. Like, let's kill one, whatever. And then most days you're like, they're not in this fucking county anymore. Like, we got to find a whole different spot. So then you go to a different area. You're like, I'm going to hike up to this side of the mountain. So right. I see where you say where it's like, yeah. And then it's, you know, most of Montana. Like this week, so it's October 24th. But tomorrow in my elk hunting spot is supposed to be like a low of six. And then on, or no, excuse me, this weekend is supposed to be a low of six. And then Sunday is supposed to be zero. Yeah. So like, yeah, it sucks. Like, especially a lot of elk hunting is just finding a glassing spot and seeing if they come out of these parks or not. So sitting in the cold, I don't care what cold weather system you have, sitting in the cold at zero or 10 degrees, you ain't going to be warm. Your feet are going to hurt. Like, I hope you got like build a fire. It's just going to suck. And then you kill one. You're like, oh yeah, I would do that again. Like it's, yeah. it's a give and take. Yeah. I, I do think like rifle elk, obviously better chance for success, but it's, I think it's, there's more, it's less comfortable than archery hunting. Archery hunting generally, not weather's nicer. Usually day hunting, you can spike. It's just a, I would say an easier entry point. But yeah, that's how I would always recommend somebody do it. 
start with antelope, do a deer hunt or two, do a rifle hunt, maybe then do a deer bow hunt, try to spot and stock something, maybe do an archery elk hunt. Now, here's the kicker. If you're going with people that are experienced in anything, just do that. Yeah. That's going to be easier. Like, yep. if you're going with a group of six guys and they're all killers, like they just have a, an elk camp set up, they go the same spot every year, sure, go with them. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. They'll help you along the way, hopefully. Yeah. You know, then it's yep. easy. But if you're doing this by yourself or you're trying to convince, like, a buddy to start, you know, from scratch alongside you, do the easy route. You're going to have so much more fun along the way, too. I mean, let's be honest. It, elk hunting is – 95% being uncomfortable and 5% the best time you've ever had in your life. I agree. And like the caveat of what you're saying about going with friends, if you're, if you're going to a state that you don't know anything about, like hit up an outfitter, like, yeah, they can be expensive, but like, yeah. you're going to gain so much knowledge from an outfitter, like your first time elk hunting as to like what you're looking for, what like, Oh, wind or, this is kind of like the area that we're thinking about. This is how the elk move. Like just that information alone coming from a state that like doesn't have elk and this is your first time. Like that'll give you enough information and knowledge to be like, I think I can do this on my own. And you're yeah. going to see that like, yeah, we horse, we, you know, we rode horseback into a camp, set up a wall tent. And you're like, well, I don't have horses. I'm not carrying a fucking wall tent. So maybe <laughs> I'll just like find some drainages to do whatever. But like, I think there's like a, I think for most Montanans, and I could be wrong on this, but I would say that like they don't necessarily look down upon people who use outfitters, but I think it's like the safest way for somebody who's not mm. used to elk hunting to go about it. Like I, I think like you should use an outfitter. For certain, if you if you don't have anything going for you in terms of like <laughs> you don't know anybody, you don't know where to go, you've never hunted the West, you don't have any friends that want to do it, you don't want to do it by yourself, like – yeah, I think it, it's a realistic option to start with. I mean, one of the best hunters I know, this person has done a, a sheep slam with his bow. I mean, just a phenomenal hunter. He just shot a moose that was so wide that he couldn't pack it out because it's, you know, right antler was dragging on the ground when he had it on his pack. Fuck. He had to bend over, you know, and he, I think he shot like an 11-foot brown bear on the same hunt. Like, this dude is insane. And his advice was like, hunt with an outfitter. You, I've learned more hunting from outfitters than anything else in my hunting career. Um, obviously, he has, you know, the means to do all that. And so, yeah, you might have to save up. But, yeah, I think it's a great strategy. For someone looking to get started, for sure, don't don't skip out on the outfitters. Yeah, it's, it's more, you know, serotonin when you do it by yourself and you're successful. But yeah. that doesn't mean you're not going to have fun with an outfitter. Like, do an outfitter for a year, right. and then maybe not. Or do it for two years, and then maybe not. I don't know. There's a lot of ways to skin the cat. Yeah. I think it's important that you do something. Like, if you – nothing better to learn how to hunt the West than hunting the West, however you do it. Yeah. Well, I think, like, your probability, if you go as an outfitter, one, they're, like – essentially, they're the professionals. Like, they do this for a yeah. living. So, like, they're probably – one, they probably have leases on private land or they know some spots they've been scouting all year where you haven't been able to. And I would say your probability of becoming successful on the hunt is higher than just being like, I'm just going to go do it myself. Oh, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Right. So like you're going to get that high of shooting your first bull and you're like, okay, cool. So like, that's the first step. So now what would be the steps of like all the gear I need to buy to do this on my own? And I just think, I don't know. I think it'd be better if like a lot of people 
hit up outfitters who are like, hey, I'm coming out to this hunt. Like, what do you charge? And I understand, like, I've seen some prices of some elk hunts, and I'm like, geez, you know, like, I don't got that money just laying around. Like, Godspeed if you do, but I'm just forced to do it by myself and learn the hard way of, like, well, I hope they're here, and they're not. So well, you, the next ridge over. you have a Montana outfitter that you're engaged to, so that's a nice little perk. Someone <laughs> yeah. that's been hunting that state yeah. their entire life. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I think uh, the thing, too, is, like, people fail to realize coming from – you know, lower elevation states, like I live at 3,500 feet where elk hunt starts at like seven, seven, five. So it's like double. And you don't think it would fuck with you, but it does. Like there'll be days where I'm like, I have been working my ass off fucking cardio, hiking all summer. And then I get to my elk spot and I'm like, why am I so out of shape? It's like, you have half the air in your body. Like you are struggling. That's hilarious that you brought that up. So we just got done archery elk hunting in southwest colorado our base camp was at like nine a lot of our hunting was from like nine eight to ten six ten five and then for one just to say we did it me and a buddy hiked up to 11 um fuck and so which isn't that much like to go i mean we drove to 10 so we only walked up to 11 like it's not you know i've done worse i've done worse like national pike park hikes right than that and it's nothing yeah. crazy but it does you start to get there well you know we all train as much as we can like i used to do a ton of crossfit just because not because crossfit's i, I didn't drink the kool-aid but it is like one of the best like if you can only pick one thing to do it's like the most varying i like it for training because it kicks my ass every time and you get weights yeah. and you get cart whatever and I was doing all this, and everyone in our group, so we got some people that are insane. Like, when we say, yeah, let's run up there, like, they're like, oh, okay. And he'll actually run up a mountain and chase, like, chase the elk. And we're like, no, we meant, like, let's just hurry. <laughs> and we got some guys that are in phenomenal shape. One guy's in the Army, too. He's a He was a, well, I don't know what he's doing now. He was in charge of four tanks. Like, he was on one of them, and then he was in charge of three others. And so... We get out there and we're doing this hike, and a local, Stephen Walker, was it? He's been on the podcast twice now. We went uh, shed hunting with him in New Mexico. He's from the area. He hunts like I don't know, hundreds, maybe even a thousand miles a year of shed hunting, and then all western hunting. Like he's in the mountain all the time. He find his record. He said was like seven hundred sheds in a season, between him and his son and his Holy like shit. close friends. Yeah, he said he hasn't done that very often, but um, he's just a That's Billy good. But he's like a he's like a bigger full size guy, like six two, like not a string bean, obviously not overweight. Obviously he's in good shape, but like he's not he's not a small, like little, you know, light ass person that can just hop in, you know, everywhere he goes. And so we're hiking in and it's kicking my butt. I mean, we're going up one of these slopes that's like this. And it's, it's just never ending straight up. Yeah, and they wanted to go straight up it, and we're getting out, and we're going up the other side. And it's funny because all of us were starting to feel it. A couple people went ahead. One guy had wet boots, so he wanted to get them off. And Steven was, like, itching to go. He's like, I could. Uh, he doesn't really want to be taking this many breaks because we're climbing, like, a mile out of this hellhole. And so we're like, Steven, man, if you're good, just go. Follow Ben. Like, you guys can go. And so the rest of us were just taking our time, you know, not trying to get too gassed. And so Steven <laughs> runs like 100 yards up the mountain, we can see his headlight, to catch up to Ben, and then just starts walking from there. Doesn't even need a break. And Ben's like, I needed a break eventually. Like, I did pretty good, but I did have to take a break to catch my breath. 
Steven didn't need to catch his breath. He just started talking. <laughs> and so and so we're doing this. Well, then he goes, yeah, I just I wish I could hike like I used to, but I got COVID like six months ago. Man, it's still like, it's my lungs still aren't the same. I'm like, dude, you just floored all of us in our group, and we've been training for a full <laughs> year. But, yeah, it's the difference. He lives like he, he – we had to drive a half hour up a mountain to get to his house when we went shed hunting. Like he lives up the mountain, not in the valley of – you know, yeah. his town. And so I'm sure it just, he's always doing it. He's always breathing that air. He's always climbing mountains. I mean, it was like, I don't know, a hundred times better shape than I was for it. I mean, yeah. it was insane. The difference that it made. Well, like, I just think that like, there's no better place to train for the mountains. Like, I really don't think there's like a workout plan that somebody will try to sell you or like, Oh, you should be doing this every day. I think because no matter how much you work out, how much cardio you do, them mountains don't fuck around. And like yeah. I live, like I'm I'm in the mountains a lot. Like I'm not in them every day, but I am in the mountains quite a bit. And there are some days where I'm just like, God, like why am I sucking so bad today? It's just like these mountains ain't no bitch. Like you gotta, yeah. you just gotta say whatever. Like it is what it is. I think the difference is like. I could train my ass off and just say I gave it a full year of literally 100%. Like, I am passed out on the gym mats every workout. Yeah, I'm going to be way better than I was this year. But the difference yeah. is, like, even when I get to the mountain, that oxygen's going to take its tax. Versus if you yeah. do the same, like, you're giving it 100%, but you're just running trails in the mountains, like, you're going to get better too. But the difference is, like, you're like you're training for the event and so when you get to elk hunting, you're like, well, I know exactly what I can do because I've been doing this exact thing versus me. It's like I did as best I could, but I really don't know how it's going to compare because we didn't have a mountain to judge. You know, I wasn't doing right. it. on. I was doing like I wasn't really practicing for the game I'm playing. It's like I was practicing baseball and I got a football game coming up. Yeah, like, I, yeah, I f- some fundamentals are going to carry over, but it's a little bit different when you don't have that elevation. Yeah, for sure. And I think like coming from like an army perspective and I talk about this on a podcast with the hunt lift beat guys. Like a lot of those guys are military, like as an infantryman, you do like a 12 mile ruck march. Right. And you always do everything for time. So you try to do it as fast as possible because you're like, I only have to be miserable for two and a half hours and I'll just be fucking done and I'll be left alone. So like when I first came out here into Montana, that was my mindset. I was like, Oh, I need to get to the top of this mountain as fast as I fucking can. But in reality, I just passed through so much like yeah. huntable terrain. And because I was being like a dork army dude being like, oh, I'm going to be tough and get to the top of the mountain in an hour. Like you spook elk or you spook deer. Like you don't, you, you forget that like I'm, yes, that's where I want to go, but I'm passing through some pristine hunting area and like not paying attention and you bump deer or elk or something. Like there's been so many times where like you're just, on a mindset and you just get to the top of the mountain and you're like we busted out so many fucking deer on the way up here and then you get to the top and you're like there's nothing up here like why did we even waste our fucking time up here yeah yeah that's funny you say that because i've kind of thought the same thing too like yeah you can go faster but at least for me like if i hit the red line too hard i never it takes a long time to get it back versus if i just keep stopping in the yellow it seems like i can just recover that much faster so it's almost like yeah, I, th- I, I save time by taking a little bit. Of, not you can't go wild. Like you can't be taking a break every ten steps. But I don't think breaks are bad. Like there's a ton of times where, like, especially if you're hunting in the like in the cold, 
I try not to get super sweaty because I know when oh, I get yeah. to wherever I'm going, I'm going to be sitting. Yeah. And that's just not a good combination to have. So like, if I know my body, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of getting a little sweaty. I'll relax for a second and I'll either go slower or I'll just kind of sit and hang out. And like the fiance and I will just like bullshit. And so then I'll be like, are you good? Yep. We're good. Like, let's keep moving. Because like, again, I learned the hard way where like you busted your ass through the snow to get to the top and you get up there and you're like, oh, I'm going to sit here all day. Well, it's seven degrees out with a 10 degree negative fucking wind chill. And you're like, this is awful. Like I'm soaked <laughs> and I'm freezing and like, I'm, I want to get out of here. And so I think a lot of guys are like, oh, you got to get to the destination. You got to be hard. I'm like, kind of, but you can also take breaks and like make sure that you're out there all day. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you about mule deer hunting before we go. Cause you, you and your fiance have shot some just dandy bucks. But before we do that, I was elk hunting in Montana one time. I'm not going to tell you where, cause we'll probably go back. There it was a good unit. But I, it was one of those yeah. days where it was snowing, and I we were running out of options. You know how you're like, oh, plan A, plan B, hit plan A again. Now we're like plan C, plan D, plan – you know, you start like – you're like, we're running out of spots. <laughs> we got like day five and we haven't <laughs> shot an elk yet. And so I go out on my own. I'm going to like do a scouting loop through some stuff that we heard was good. And so the, for the first half of the hike, it was just like super easy. Trails, nice walking, plenty of parks start there's snow on the ground but man when i started making my hook i just started getting into like deadfall and creek bottoms that i had to cross and like you think like you when you ever you see a creek on a map you picture it's going to be like this nice slow creek with like a couple pebbles step across they're always like hell holes like there's they're deadfall and timber and side like you got no options you're like and so i'm getting into it and i'm just like it's taken it's taken me down to like a quarter of a mile per hour, like climbing over, you know, deadfall and backtracking, going this way, going that way. All of a sudden, I finally, like, I'm like, okay, if I bust it up and over here, I can just follow all these parks out. Parks aren't a common term. It meadows. We'd call them meadows, but everyone in the West calls right. them parks. So meadows. And I'm walking down the edge of these meadows, and I can see it's pretty wet out in the middle. So I'm just walking down the edge. And I take a step, and I sink to my armpits. I went from, like, hard ground. I take one step, and I fell through. And, like, my rifle was on a sling, like, in a gun scabbard, like the Kafaru gun bear. And that hit and went sideways and then got stuck under my arm. And that's what stopped me. Like, this, my rifle laying, you know, now laying flat on the ground. And I'm like, and I'm like, like, one leg kind of, like, folded. So it was, like, still up on high ground, like, on a knee. But my other leg was in the muck all the way up past my, like, belt. Ugh. And I'm like, you gotta be. And I'm already pissed at this point. I wasn't seeing any elk, and I was doing deadfall and shit. Now I'm falling in a sinkhole, like a real goddamn sinkhole. You know, my entire life, I'm like, sinkholes really aren't that big of a deal. That I, You know, not as big of a deal as that, like they made them out to be when I was in elementary school. Like, everyone thought, like, sinkholes are just everywhere, and they're the end of the world. Quicksand everywhere, yeah. <laughs> Watch yeah. Out for quicksand. Yeah, quicksand really didn't turn out to be as big of a deal as I thought it would be, but I found some no. in this, and it was wet. And oh, so I'm clawing my, I'm literally clawing my way out of this hole, and I get out, and I'm just like, that leg's like I'm wearing brown pants, and that leg's now black, like just mud yeah. and water, and I'm like still three miles from the four wheeler, 
through like a a trail I haven't gone. And my plan was to walk these meadows out the whole way, but clearly that's not a good idea. And the the sidewall goes straight up. So I'm like, now I'm trying to like billy goat over these rocks to stay out of the meadow because now I don't trust it. It was the most miserable day of elk hunting I've ever had. I got back to camp like with two hours left and I'm like, F it. I'm not going out again. I changed clothes. (laughs) I hung up everything over the wood stove. I just started making supper for everyone else. Yep. I'm like, screw this. So you, you have more days than that. Like that's so funny because you have a lot of those days where you're like, where we hunt is like old birds. So like six years ago, a place will bird. And now it's like, like our elk spot. It's, there are some spots and there's ways to navigate around it, but like you end up doing twice the amount of mileage going around the shit, which is fine. But like four years ago, I could just walk right up through the the deadfall. But like people don't realize how miserable walking through deadfall is. It is the fucking worst. We got into some deadfall one time in Trout Creek where it was like, it was like, um, I can't even describe it. It was huge huge trees like four footers like massive trees and they were (laughs) all down and they were all on top of each other like usually deadfalls like 50 percent trees are standing 50 percent are down it's just a jungle this was i should have taken a picture 100 percent deadfall it looked like an ocean of driftwood like the ocean had rised and a bunch of driftwood came in and then just plopped down. Like there was not a tree growing in it, nothing. I don't know what caused us, a tornado, a sh- avalanche. I don't know. <laughs> but it was like hundreds of acres of this. And we get to the edge and it's like, you know, log on top of log on top of log. So some of the logs are like eight feet off the ground because they're going over two other oh, logs. Yeah. And so we're trying to go up and over these things and down and under them. And eventually we're like, I just hopped on top of one. And I just ran the log. And then when I got to the end, I jumped on the next one and ran that one and then jumped up and ran. And we just started. And it actually went really easy. But I'm like, I've never seen deadfall like this. Like literally one, not a single tree standing for hundreds of acres. Yeah, there's you got to be careful with like running on deadfall too. One, because like if it's wet, like it's going to be slippery. Oh, yeah. There's been times like like you said like eight like you start climbing deadfall just trying to find the next log whatever and you're not paying attention as to how high up you're getting and like next thing you know you're like I'm ten feet up on this deadfall and like there's nothing below me but like more sharp deadfall <laughs> yeah if I fall this is gonna suck yeah, the only thing was the, these logs were so insanely big that it was like walking on flat land and they were dry well walking on yeah. wet logs I'm terrified of it. Like I just oh, feel I myself really like throwing an ankle or a knee, but, but yeah, no, it was, it was crazy. I've never seen it again. We never went back there, but it was just like the craziest experience with deadfall that I've ever had. Yeah. I hate deadfall and a lot of spots that we hunt is like old, like thick timber and they get burnt. And then like the root system is all fucked. So like the wind come in and blow it all down. But the problem is too, the elk love that shit. Yeah, and they're in it, and but there's no way you can stalk an elk in deadfall. It's just not a thing. And but you think you can, and then blow elk out. <laughs> so starting to sound like a hard way every year. Personal experience. Oh, dude, it's I had so many bad experiences in the deadfall this year. I left my fiance on this wallow. I'm like, I'm gonna go to the top of here because I used to go to the top of here all the time, and yeah. like, I'll bugle at the top, and like down the other side is like this nice, thick timber meadowy kind of area and like i always we always seem to have like at least one bugle down there so i'm like i'm gonna go check it out 
what used to take me like 25 minutes to get to the top. It's an hour and a half and I'm like three quarters of the way up. I'm sweating bullets. The logs are wet. I get to the top, not a fucking bugle. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, let me come back down. So I come back down. And like I said, it's wet. And I like stepped on this log and just comp- like both my feet just went out from underneath me. And then I just went boom right to the ground. And now I'm stuck in between <laughs> fucking deadfall. I like, like I threw my bow it's like (laughs) six yards away from me I'm like oh what is I can't get up I'm like fuck me I'd like take my pack off and like oh it was was like I'm never coming I told her I was like I'm never going back up there again unless this burns again like I'm never don't even ask there could be like a 400 inch bull up there I'm not going up there I'm not fucking doing it that's hilarious we had a I was we still got to get to the mule deer but I was crossing some deadfall on our way out one time and it was four of us and one of my buddies was walking, and I can't quite remember what happened, but I'm pretty sure the lace loop on his bow, or his boots, hooked, like, uh, one of the sharp sticks of a deadfall, and it was one of those things where, like, it was, like, four or five trees, and it wasn't, we weren't really in deadfall, but it was, like, four or five trees that all fell down, and so everyone was just, like, first log, second log, third log, and then down, down, off, right? Like, you're just kind of walking up and over these dead, like, this one cluster. And he was last. I was right in front of him. So I was walking. I just hit the ground. And I hear just this. Like everything goes out. Like dubstep. Like, you know, forest dubstep. (laughs) And I look back. And his his boot was hooked. And it was up in the air. Because his laces were caught on a one of the branches he was in the hole so he was at on the ground and when i looked down i saw nothing but arrows and broadheads going all different directions in with his limbs and broken branches and his bow so when he fell every arrow in his quiver came out (laughs) (laughs) which is super dangerous like these are razor blades and he fell on top of them and i'm like holy shit like this guy's gonna need to get h-fact didn't even break a break his skin anywhere didn't get cut but i'm looking down like on top of him and he's in this hole and there's just limbs and his limbs tree limbs and arrows just in a maze and i can't believe what happened i mean dude deadfall deadfall is the timber fucking quicksand it'll yeah. get you deadfall will get you the best way to wreck a hunt is try to walk through deadfall yeah just go around it it'll so be fine but on to the mule deer. We got to touch on the mule deer. So okay. you, All right. you and your fiance have shot some dandy bucks, and I'm sure it takes a lot of scouting. But I have shot, I've shot two really good bull, one nice bull, one world class bull. Like the, I've shot mm-hmm. a bull that I probably will never shoot another bigger one unless I start hunting those outfitters we talked about. And so, but I've never had what I would call a good mule deer hunt. Every mule deer hunt I've ever been on, it was in a unit and a year where, like, the drought or whatever was going on, it was like, shoot the first legal buck you can see. Because it's the only legal buck you're going to see. And and so I've always done that. And I've shot, like, I think the biggest mule deer I shot was, like, 130-inch 3x3. So looks really impressive next to my, you know, whitetails. But overall, as far as mule deer go, not, not the, you know, not the dream by any means. I just want to do a mule deer hunt where you can pass on bucks. Like you see a couple bucks and you're just like, yeah, I don't know. It's early. 
He's a, you know, maybe doesn't have a quite as deep of forks as I'm looking for, or maybe, you know, I don't know. He's not very heavy or, you know what I mean? Like just be able to pass, just look at locks of bucks. I want to go on a mule deer hunt, like an antelope hunt where you see a lot of game and you kind of like, eh, yeah, that one, let's go after that one. That one I like. And I'm just curious when you guys mule deer hunt, are you, is that typically how it's going? Um, yeah. Yeah. So like her and I are big advocates on like, for us, like we don't, unless it's like a, a nice, either an older deer. Like I shot like on Sunday, I shot like an old whitetail, like gray face whitetail. Like he's not the biggest rack, but like his teeth were worn down. He's probably the biggest buck in this area yeah, uh, or one of the biggest, but like I shot a mature older buck, which is like, you know, trophy wise, like, yeah, he's not like, super heavy or whatever but he's a solid buck for an archery bow and like i was happy to take it yeah i was looking at his picture but, right now but like there's a lot of times like last year we passed up on so many four like i shot the biggest bull i probably ever shoot i think like on public land ever i'm ever gonna shoot like i shot a 350 inch bull last year on public land is that the is, one in the snow yeah With, which is very yeah. like hard to do right oh yeah it's super i mean i to be honest it's just it's just fucking luck at that point like i found a track i had a cow tag i fucking chased his bull i thought it was two cows ends up being two bulls he was closest to me 27 yards and i blasted him like with a rifle like in the timber but so after that i had this mindset like okay i shot this really nice bull i'm gonna wait out for like a 170 180 inch mule deer yeah and we saw some we saw some really nice mule deer uh, but they were always playing a game of like, well, we're on private today. Yeah. Uh, we, we scum through like the public or the area that you can hunt like this one corner, but now we're on another section of private. We don't have an issue with not filling buck tags just to say like, oh, we shot a buck. So like we will not shoot spikes. We won't shoot small three point. Like we just, we don't really, like if we need the meat, we'll just shoot a doe, you know, like we're not, we're willing to eat the buck tag Yeah. to, to wait out to shoot a, a heavy or a solid buck. And so like, like the tag she drew this year for her mule deer, it's not, I wouldn't even really say it's a hunt. Like it's an area where you're shooting like yard bucks, but there's just so many massive deer around. So like oh. we're driving down, it's like, it's not a hunt. I would say like, we didn't really do a lot of hunting. Like we didn't like, we spot and stalked, but like, it's not, I don't know, not really a hunt, but that's like the, the, the draw area, like you're driving by and there's been like 200 inch deer that have been taken out of this unit. Yeah. And so you drive by and you're like, okay, that deer is massive. But is it <laughs> this, is it this unit massive? You're like, you're passing on, you know, there are some bucks that we saw, like one buck that we saw got killed that morning was 196 by oh, a kid. My gosh. And it, and it was in like full velvet, like beautiful buck, but you know, they shot it in like a little field behind some lady's house. Like, so it's not, you know, it's like, it's, it's legal. It's yeah. what they do. It's just not that. But like, we've had instances where like, we're glassing up bucks and I've passed, I passed on last year, I don't know, 15 different bucks. And I'm like, eh, he could use a year. And like, mind you, it's public land. So like, he may not make it a year. But for me, I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily be proud to like, show this buck off that I shot it. You know, I'm like, there are bigger bucks out there. I'm willing to put in the work to find it. So if I don't, I'm okay with like one, not shooting a deer or two shooting a doe that year. And that's what I ended up doing. I just shot this like mature doe at the last day. And I was like, 
I called a friend of mine. I was like, Hey, uh, she couldn't hunt. She had shoulder surgery. So I'm like, Hey, if I shoot this doe, do you want it? Cause we already had killed two elk. Yeah. I shot two, two or four does and she shot a buck. And my little sister at the time was living with me. She shot a buck. So like we had enough meat. And I was like, if I shoot this doe, like I'll pack it out. Like, do you want it? She's like, yep. And I was like, all right, I'll call you back. And I ended up shooting this like mature doe, packed it out. Like no big deal. But I was happy to like donate that meat to her rather than like shoot a little, you know, three point and be like, Oh, I killed a buck this year. It's, uh, but I, I don't see the point in that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's exactly how I am in whitetails. I haven't killed a whitetail buck since 2019 because we got private land. I love habitat. I love managing them. I'm only shooting bucks that are four years old. And if I, I mean, yeah. as soon as I say that I'll accidentally shoot a two and a half year old cause it was low light, and, <laughs> but that's the goal. Um, but for the mule deer thing, like there's a couple. So like you're, I don't know if you remember it, but your buddy Jim's buck. Yep. That was like 100%. Like I would be super happy with. I've never seen a mule deer buck as big as that hunting mule deer. I've seen. Was that his his second one or his first one? Ooh, I don't know. It's a four by four. It looks like it's two years ago. Roughly, hundred weeks ago. So probably is like 2021. Yeah, so we were out doing a veteran hunt, and Jim and I were looking at some deer. Uh, we had found <laughs> – it's so funny because my buddy Zach and I were just trying to get Jim to, like, shoot any deer. We're like, dude, just shoot that one. He's, and Jim was very adamant. He's like, no, I want to shoot, like, a decent buck. It, Zach and I are just down his neck like, oh, yeah, that's a monster. And he's like, it's a fucking, like, little three-point. And he's <laughs> like, I'm not shooting that. I'm like, come on, dude. Like, give us – like, we've been hiking these mountains. Like, we want to pack out together, you know, like have the right. homies pack out a deer. And so we get – we're looking around and we see some nice bucks and you know, again, they're on private. And so you're trying to get access, but like everybody and their mother calls this poor landowner and he's like, please stop calling me. Like, you know, and you, you understand, but yeah. And then we're just sitting there and he like, <clears throat> I have the spotter. I don't even have my rifle. I just brought a spotter and he's got his binos and he's like, I think I see a buck or it could just be a doe with sagebrush. And so I'm like, all right, where is it at? So I put up the glass and I'm like, look at and it's this buck and he's like, I call it ugly sleeping. Like his head is down, tongue is out. Like this <laughs> just snoozing. passed out. <laughs> oh, he's just passed out. And there's a ton of does around him. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh, that's actually a decent buck, dude. Like, no, like I'm not bullshit. And he's like, all right, let me see it. And he shoots it. And he's like, okay, like, yeah, I'll shoot that one. So then we like, you know, climb down this mountain and, and he shoots it. But uh, those are, those are shooter bucks. Like every year for me, I would say those are shooter bucks. And, and like the, the size of the buck obviously goes down if it's like archery, like, yeah, I'll shoot some lesser of a box if it's archery, just cause you have to like stock them and it's cooler. But with rifle, I mean, I shot my antelope at 500 this year, just like the technology and rifles, it's kind of unfair. I'm like, oh, there's a deer 500 yards out. Like he has yeah. no idea that we're even here. So with rifle, I'll be very picky. Uh, unless it's like a cool characteristic deer, like, I don't know, maybe he's got like a, a weird side or like a pollination and he's little, but um, for the most part, like Savannah and I, when it comes to deer, we are equally on agreement that if it's a, like, we're not going to shoot little deer, like yeah. we would rather eat our tags. And like, again, like last year I, I ate, I essentially ate my tag on a buck and just shot a doe, but like it didn't bother me at all because I didn't go home with like a, a one and a half year old, two year old deer that was like, had potential to be a really nice deer, but I shot him early. Yeah. 
And I passed a mule deer, a year and a half old, like big fork. Well, not big fork. Like he's just a normal fork, year and a half old fork on that Colorado hunt. Because he was off the road. I'm like, I don't need a mule deer that bad. Like at this point, I'm like, I'm ready. I want to shoot a four by four, like a nice four by four. I mean, you you and Savannah's Instagram feeds are filled with like great four by fours. I'm not even talking like a great four by four. I'm talking like a 150 four by four, like just your average four by four. I just want to be able to do that. And I guess my, well, my real question is like, is that something where you're really having to like scout the summer and like really spend a ton of time in Montana versus like an mm-hmm. out of stater can show up to a decent unit and just work hard for a week and, and get a crack at them? Because we tried that in Southeast Montana and I knew it was going to be a lot of people. I, I underestimated yeah. how many people it was going to be. And so I don't think I'm going back to Southeast Montana, but that's Montana is probably going to be the place. Maybe Wyoming, but probably Montana is the next mule deer hunt. Yeah, I would say, I mean, to be honest with you, like we don't mule deer scout at all. You just see when we have you're doing other stuff. Yeah, well, not even that. Like, I mean, I like the buck that I shot with my bow a couple years ago. Years ago was a complete accident. Like, I didn't expect to see a buck this size in here. All I'd seen was like little forkies, like little spikes, and I ended up just like walking up on this deer in his bed, and he just like picks his head up, and I'm like, oh, that's a fucking decent mule deer and put an arrow in and shot him like it was again the luckiest thing i've ever done but when it comes to scouting mule deer like we don't we don't take time like before season like okay we're gonna go check these like we just don't okay we just know of like habitat that they're in and she's very good and i'm very good at like being patient and just sitting on a ridge line and like picking apart sage and like that's a big thing too is like if you're gonna go hunt eastern montana like have good glass like be patient you know because there's been times where we're just sitting on this ridge line. We're like, there's fucking nothing here. We've been four hours. And like, we end up like moving 200 yards down the ridge and looking back on our ridge. And there was a buck bedded behind or down below us, like a decent buck, uh, like a couple hundred yards. And just, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just think like this, this week or when I shot my antelope, there was four bucks that I'd seen in this area that were studs. Like I tried to get one with a bow, but, um, it didn't happen, but like small chunk of BLM land just yeah. south of Antelope. And next thing I know, I just see like these three bucks just come out of this like river bottom thing. And I'm like, holy shit, these are some shooters. And like, it's in the middle of nowhere. And I don't even know if you can access this road when it's snowing. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just saw a buck in Colorado that I think was 180. I mean, he was huge. He was wide, tall, deep forks. I could see his mass from like 500 yards away as he's running away. I mean, it was insane. I was like, that's the biggest mule deer I've ever seen. But I've never seen big ones when yeah. I'm hunting. That's the problem. I think I need to work harder. I think that's definitely a good part of it. I think, to me, mule deer hunting seems like it should be antelope hunting. But I think I need to just put in a little bit extra work and, and uh, get a little bit farther well, off the road. Well, that's the thing, too, is that we were driving, like, about my antelope. Like, after opener here like the antelope are just sparse because everybody shoots the shit out of them. Like it's, you know, you could shoot an antelope six, 700 yards. Like they just stand there, but we ended up, uh, we're driving down the road. I just look in the rear view mirror and this grouse just goes flying across the road. And I'm like, I look at my buddy Pat and I'm like, you want to shoot a grouse? Like we haven't seen shit all day. Like everything's been on private, can't get access or like whatever. He's like, yeah, I'll shoot a grouse. And I'm like, all right, pull over the truck. And I'm like, let's hop out and shoot this grouse. So I'm like, I'm going to bring my rifle just in case. So I get my orange on and like, we're looking for this grouse, whatever. And I look way in the backside of this BLM piece where like the rolling hills go, where you can't see from the road. And there's two bucks just bedded out in the middle of this field. So I'm like, no shit. 
So like, I think if you go out mule deer hunting, act like you're shed hunting or something. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's the trick. Like you just, if you're going out for a species, act like you're not going out for that species and you'll run into them. Like that's how it's always been. It's funny like, you say that. that. I shot, Cause I found four mule deer I sheds. I found four mule deer sheds when we were mule deer hunting and we were like, we were hiking. I mean, not like archery elk hiking, but we were getting like a mile off the road, setting up glassing. Um, Cause I've done a couple mule deer hunts and that's how I've always found them. And it, I mean, we tagged out, but we, you know, it was just shooting the first legal buck you could find. And it, it's, right. I don't know. I, I would like to do more like looking at them and just being like, yeah, I will see another one. I'm not ready to shoot that buck yet. I think, I think like Southeast Montana is tough because there's a million people. And like, it, it was like a, a three big chunk drought of, when we went. Yeah. And like that area, they give out a lot of B tags for a rifle too. So like, yeah, I think, I think a resident you can, I mean, you can buy doe tags for like 10 bucks a piece and like uh-huh. there are fucking does everywhere. And so like, they just get shot to shit. And then like, there's roads that go everywhere and there's side by sides and there's people and it's, there, there's big bucks in there. Uh, the one he shot last year was in that area, I think. And uh, I don't know. He just, like, it's just a tough area. And the deer numbers are way down. Like, it used to be really good, but it's just not as good as anymore, as it used to be. Yeah. Are you doing a lot of your mule deer hunting on winter range, or are you doing it, like, up in the timber? Uh, we hunt a lot of eastern Montana, so it's, like, a lot of coolies. Um kind of sage bluff areas okay i've i've killed i mean i've seen some really nice mule bucks mule deer bucks in the timber the problem is is that like it's hard to glass in the timber so unless you're like walking around and you like see one it's more like elk hunting where you're just like kind of punkering around in the woods but um for the most part we'll find a spot that's more open per se and just like find a bluff and sit on it and then just like pick apart the sage and you'd be surprised how many deer you actually find and like if you find a doe in the rut like, I'm sure there's going to be a buck around somewhere. So, like, just wait on her. Yeah. A lot of times we'll just sit there and, like, oh, there's a bunch of does down there. And next thing you know, there's, like, this, you know, smaller buck or a decent buck just, like, crests the hill. And you're like, oh, there's a shooter or, there, oh, there's a buck, you know. Yeah. I do love glassing. I mean, I that's why I'm so drawn to mule deer hunting because it's, like, you're finally it's your chance to just sit in glass. And I love yeah. glassing. I mean, I'll glass sheds. I'm, I really enjoy it. But just I think I've just – got unlucky i think i just got unlucky picked a couple units had a couple droughts hard to you know low deer numbers i mean i think it's just in a way you know the places we went just weren't that they weren't that unit i just gotta keep finding units i think a big thing that we do is like yes we'll hunt some like big public land chunks and we'll hunt some like blm pieces or bmas like i think a lot of people set their eyes on those because they're like oh there's a big chunk like there's Mm got to be deer in here and i'm sure there are deer but like where we've become more successful is like oh there's like an 80 acre piece of public the road drives by a lot of people probably just like oh there's nothing down there and they drive by it like that's my kind of like what i think is going on and then we go down like past where you can't see from the road and there's like there's deer that are kind of just like huddled up in an area that you just can't see and they're not getting fucked with so that's where they're going to be yeah well it's funny because like Anyone would take a 40 in Minnesota to hunt deer. Like, yeah, that's all take. Like some people hunt twenties really. Yeah. And, and they're like, Oh yeah. Plenty of land. I got like three tree stands on 20 acres. 
Or like, yeah, like mean, here, we've gotten, I don't know, six, eight bucks on camera. Not all of them are giant, but we have 40 acres here, and we've already got six or eight bucks, and we've only lived here for three months. So, yeah. Yeah, and, but when you go out west, everyone's like, oh, there's 80,000 acres. So, like, ah, it's only, like, 500 acres. Like, it's not that And then you're talking, like, 80s. Like, yeah, no one's hunting an 80 or a 160. Yeah, it's, dude, it's, and, like, 80 acres is a fucking lot of property. Like, I for own eight acres, and it. And well, I own eight acres and it's like, damn, it's a lot to take care of. And I don't even go to the backside of it ever. But like, if you think of like 150 or even like 50 acres, you're like, Dude, this place is huge. Like there's, there could be deer everywhere. Like why, why are we not hunting these? And so yeah. we've like, our scouting for deer will mostly be like, okay, look on the map. Like we're our smaller chunks and we'll see if we can hit those. And like, you can hit them quicker than hitting like a 200, 300 acre piece, but yeah, we just try to find like smaller chunks with like a little bit of something like terrain, coolies, a little bit of brush. It's like, hey, this yeah. one's got a brushy draw, and we can sit here and see the whole thing, but you can't see it from the yep. road. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I want to do that. I also I heard you say you got a camper, or you were gonna get a camper. Something about I have a camper. The late season rifle hunts. I've been doing them in wall tents, and like, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. Wall tents are super fun when it's warm. They're doable when it's yeah. cold, but man, when it's cold and windy. I think, yeah, I mean, I want to get a camper eventually. I know you're not going to save money, but it's going to be worth it to have hard walls and a furnace. Yeah, I think for us too, it's like we did last year, we did a 10 day elk hunt in like a tent, like a four seasons tent with an air mattress. And like, it was doable, but like I'm 31, about to be 32. And I don't want to sound like I feel like, I don't want to sound like I'm a hundred years old, but like there is something nice about coming home to like a camper. You just take your boots off, turn the heater on. Oh, I want to lay in the bed, not some fucking bullshit air mattress. Like, Oh, I have a table to sit on inside and make my sandwich or I got a microwave, a generator. Like, I don't know. I've become soft, I guess. But it's No, nice. it's, I don't think it's soft. I think there's like, yeah, some things are more extreme than others, but if you're out there to kill, I always ask myself, like, is this going to help me kill or not? Like, especially spike hunting. Yeah. Like, is spike hunting going to help me kill or not? Like, can I just walk a mile out and get back to base camp and have a better food, better sleep, better everything, and then just walk a mile in in the morning? Probably. Now, if the elk are, like, seven miles in, it's like, okay, now spiking in six miles or seven miles is going to help me kill. And so that's when right. I'll do it. And I think the camper thing, like, late season, like, you're going to get out of bed faster in a camper you're gonna get better sleep you're not gonna sleep in you're not gonna skip hunts you're gonna get good food you're you know all these things it's like yeah and it happens to be more comfortable not everything has to be extreme just for the gram you know like i definitely want to hunt campers. i totally agree i know we were it's so funny because my and i were talking about this the other day people are like oh you know i shot this bull like hey you're back (laughs) that damn montana internet but i was saying like people want to have these experiences and I think they're good about like packing out a bull, like really far out. But dude, I'll take a bull like 200 yards off the road any day. Like, Oh yeah. I, would my mean, first... I will definitely like a year later, I will definitely kind of, you know, humble brag about how far I packed out a brutal bull pack out. But if there's a bull off the side of the road, I'm shooting it. Like I <laughs> definitely not ashamed to pack a hundred yard pack out. Well, like the first elk I ever shot was in my backyard. Yeah, so, I would do it. I'll tell you. Yeah, what, oh yeah, I'll tell you right right now. If I had elk on my forty and I had a tag for it, I would be hunting elk in my backyard too. Abby shot her first oh. deer on our farm. You could, you literally could have watched the entire thing from our like from our like master bed. Like 
We have all windows on that side of the house. I could have been laying in my bed watching her shoot this deer because we have a food plot. Like we had a pasture in the back of our prop, like our back of our yard, and then we just turned it into yeah. a food plot, put a stand there, and that's where she shot her deer. Like it was literally a part of our backyard, right there. Yeah, and oh, I just dude. like there's been times where she's woken me up in the morning, and be like, "Hey, there's a deer in the food plot," and I can just roll <laughs> over and look at it. Dude, I had a buddy who had like this perfect where he built his house. He could glass up this public land park, and there was always deer up there. Like there'd be elk up there. And I would just wake up early, you know, not, I'm like, they're either going to be there or not. So I would call him. I'm like, what's the scoop? And he's like, nope, there's nothing up there this morning. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to this other spot or I'm just not going <laughs> to hunt today. And then there'd be times he's like, yeah, there's a good one. Like kind of hanging around the bottom. I was like, all right, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm all for, I'm all for the hard hunts, but to get a, an easy one out of the way, it's, it's nice to, it's to nice roll to have out mix. of bed and just be like, yeah. oh, dude. And you only get one easy hunt a year. I, I'm, I'm like, torn on that. Like, you get one hunt that like just goes perfect. We're like, oh, first day out, shot whatever I was looking for, great, like whatever. And then the rest of the season is just gonna be a tough motherfucker. And like that's how it's been. You know, we shot her buck this year, the archery uh, buck she shot was like opening morning, pretty easy hunt. And I'm like, well, the rest of the season is gonna be tough. And elk hunting this year was fucking tough. I mean, just quiet tons of people not just it was just a tough miserable experience but we got to share that all together yeah i think you've got better hunting than i do if you get one perfect hunt every year because <laughs> i'm like man i get like one perfect ton every decade i get a lot of great hunts but like the perfect ones they are few and far between so you better you better cherish them while they're happening oh dude if you ask my my fiance like how lucky i am in the woods like unreal how stupid lucky i am like my first bull i ever killed i 15 minutes into opening morning i had five bulls in a drainage first one called one in fucking 40 yards broadside plugged him hunts over like wow. 800 yards from the truck i mean he was 25 yards from uh an old like trail so i'm like all right well that's fun like my first bull like walked in 15 minutes like put my in reach on texted my buddies i'm like bulled out and they're like bullshit no way. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, y'all better get over here because these bulls will not shut up. I had this whole basin was just lit up with bulls. I'm like, this six point just comes over the ridge. I get one cow call. He looked right at me, come down, turn sideways, like perfectly in an opening, fucking 40 yards, plugged him. I was like, wow, that's not how this normally goes ever. Yeah, that's, that is incredible. That, uh, that doesn't happen very often. I'm going to come hunt with you. I'm just going to walk around behind you. <laughs> Dude, that's what she does. It's fun. <laughs> Okay, I guess I'm gonna be but, I'm gonna be third in line then. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you right now. With those days, our luck will have it that like you come out and it's fucking ten days into it, and you're like, dude, we haven't even seen a grouse yet. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Like this happens. Like it's there are days where oh three I've, days into it, and you're like, there's no, there's not even Tweety birds around. Like, what is going on? I've been on those outcomes. I am. I think I'm zero for five with my bow and two for three with my rifle. So yeah. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I yeah. definitely understand it's hunting, not shooting, but no, that's been awesome. And, um, it's been super fun hearing like how you guys hunt together and just the whole Montana life. I mean, it, it kind of makes a flatlander like myself a little jealous, um, that we don't live there, but obviously we get some cool things too, like more than two lakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it is, it's, it's, it is a lot of fun to have somebody that like, 
obviously you want to spend the rest of your life with and then she enjoys doing what you do and is willing to do like the miserable sacrifice of hikes and bullshit and you know deadfall and all that and at the end of the day you're like oh we didn't kill one but like we had a lot of fun like we heard them we were hiking around we got to spend a lot of time together and it's it's a blessing for sure yeah i'm excited for it i'm excited to start bringing my wife out um do we're 10 i i say like we're like been married forever we've been married for 10 months so it's everything <laughs> yeah. is new so it's really exciting but i'm excited to start our next new adventure of hunting the west together because i think she's gonna love it just because she loves yeah. she loves hiking and doing all the stuff so yeah yeah it's uh it's a good experience and like she seems like she's driven you know you you've got her on the hook now she's like <laughs> i want to kill deer all the time so if you get her chasing bulls and cows i'm sure she'll be pumped I hope she has like your luck when I start bringing her out and she just walks around and just whacks and stacks them. Yeah. I mean, some people just have luck, dude. Like I know a lot of people just like, Oh yeah. My wife went out one time and she saw this like one ninety inch mule there and shot it. I'm like, motherfucker. How? Like, <laughs> yeah. There's, I've been lucky too. I've, I've gotten a couple once in a lifetime tags, so I can't complain too much. Yeah. That's so. what I'm hoping for. My my next dream hunt would be a moose tag. I've been applying for Maine and New Hampshire since I was like 12 years old and uh, never drawn. And I've been applying here for the last five years, never drawn. I'm sure it'll be, you know, when I'm 75, can barely walk around. Somebody's going to push me around in a wheelchair. I'll draw it. But I'm thinking about the doing one. the DIY Alaska moose eventually. I think it's going to take a long time to get all the things in place, like, very comfortable hunting with grizzly bears, very comfortable doing 10 days in the woods. I mean, all these things, the logistics, but I think the DIY Alaska is probably going to be the my way. Cause I don't have 70 grand to get a Yukon outfitter. So yeah, me either. So, but awesome. Well, thank you for being here, Tyler, kind of sharing your guys a story. I think the next time we do this, I'll have to make sure both you and your fiance are available. Cause it sounds like she's yeah. got just as many adventures and stories as you do. So it'd be really cool to have her on the next episode as well. For sure. Yeah. Whenever you, whenever you are in town, give us a call. We're always willing. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, I'll take you up on that if I'm ever in Western Montana and until then, good luck with the rest of your fall, and, and make sure you tell tell Savannah the same. Will do. You too. Good luck with the, uh, with your flu pots. Hope you slam a big one. Yeah, I hope so. That would be awesome. So, Well, thanks for being here once again, and thank you for listening, folks.